Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that you can tap and sacrifice to add three mana of any colour to your mana pool, but can only spend this mana to cast your commander, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by Emma. How are you doing this week? To be honest, I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit fed up because if you're not in the UK mm. or in England, um, so England's going into another lockdown which is going to last for like a month or so. And it's getting to the point now where it's just becoming really frustrating because no one's really paying attention or doing much about it. So yeah. it kind of feels like we're just in this constant cycle. And after a while, it kind of wears out on you, as I suspect with a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Interior sort of news, I guess. In terms of magic, I've been keeping an eye on the Commander Legends previews. The set looks really, really sweet and fun. And I've just been tidying up yeah. my collection. So I've cleared out a load of Commander stuff and turning it into modern staples. So I'm pretty close to getting oh. Death and Taxes and Tron done for when I can never to be play Paper Magic again in the year 2030, nice. whenever that is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise, I've jumped back into Hades after a little break. I'm eager to finish each run with each aspect weapon which is quite fun and quite challenging and also i've been watching queen's gambit which if you haven't watched it already you should watch it because it's really bloody good so it's about a Mm. it's based off a novel there's this girl that goes to play competitive chess and it's like a seven part series on netflix it's really really good and the one thing that drew me to it is because there's a lot of relevance as a magic player that also goes into chess so i've just started reading the book earlier today and like her mm. first local tournament, the first round is delayed by 20 minutes due to a pairing issue. I mean, we've all been there as a magic player, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never, fe- I've never felt so related, yes. like, something so <laughs> relative in my life. But it just goes on about how she wants to like compete in chess in like in a higher sort of competitive yeah. format. Talking about like misplays and like what accidents she's made, and you know a lot of this self evaluation. Mm-hmm. As a magic player, we we do that a lot. So if you're into like. What that kind of stuff I recommend watching it. It's like seven episodes long. Sounds all right. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm all right. I know I had a big energetic intro there, you know, as as always, but it's been a bit tiring here. We've also here in Ireland been in lockdown. Now we've been in for about the last two or three weeks, so we're starting to get used to it again. You know, not to minimize the situation because it is horrific that people aren't doing the right thing and that people are dying as a result of it, but. It's actually not too bad living through lockdown, especially if you have a plan to like have some sort of like regular social interactions. Like I'm now playing Modern and Commander with friends weekly over webcam. And I've also got our previously in-person D&D campaign has been going for about, uh, it's about two years now. And that's now going on webcam. We've been on webcam since about Mm. March, I think. These have all been helping to keep me sane, these things, so... Yeah, there are there are ways to make the day to day easier, but it still really yes, sucks. Yes, it's very tough, isn't it? Yeah, magic wise though, I've been brewing some more commander decks. Because when I get into something, I get into something hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to build an Atrus Oracle of Half Truths deck with Gyruda as a companion, and it is my favorite new brew. But it does not play well on webcam when you're trying to reanimate stuff from your opponent's graveyards and then you have to go, hold on a second, let me go and get my pen and paper or my infinite tokens or whatever it is I'm using. So I think I'm just going to make an Atrus like politics deck and just go with that for now. And then, you know, when we can actually play paper in, you know, 2047 or whenever the hell it is, <laughs> I don't know, it feels like it's getting further and further away every day. But yeah, when we can do it in paper... 
I'll turn it into a Gyruda Companion deck. I've also, finally, I was talking about this before, I took apart my Talran deck. Yeah. Because it just wasn't that fun. You know, it was get Talran out, protect it, and then eventually just do, like, combo win and, like, stop your opponent from doing basically anything. Yeah. It was, like, 18 counters in the deck or something stupid. So, like, yeah, not that fun. Uh, so I took it apart and I built a Naban Dean of Iteration deck. I don't have all the pieces for it, but they're on the way. But... Nice. Yeah, it's it's much more my dumb kind of speed. Like, there's a Panharmonicon in there as well, so, like, I can double the double triggers and the silly dumb stuff. Nice. So, I'm looking forward to that. Then, outside of Magic, I've just really been playing a lot more Genshin Impact. Um, I've about 60 hours in the game now. Wow. And I've only finished the first big area of, like, seven. That's a lot of big areas. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Now, it is, in some ways, kind of gated, Essentially, your characters can level up individually, but then you also have, like, an adventure level. So, like, the more quests you do and stuff, the more experience you get towards, technically towards your character's levels, but also your adventure level. Mm. And certain quests unlock once you get to a certain adventure level. And they're kind of gated by that. But you can go on and you can, like, there's, there's plenty of quests. There's always something to do. But it means that it kind of gets you to go around and explore the world and stuff before you actually progress too much further into the oh, game. Okay. Which I kind of like. That's cool. I kind of like because what happens with me is I tend to get like sidetracked or stuck into the, the story. You know, I'll either go off and do like 500 million side quests and then go, wait, what? What was it? What was it? I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dragonborn. I'm supposed to <laughs> fuss row that people. I, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Something about the blades or something. I don't know. You know, that happens to me. That's my Skyrim experience yeah. every time. Um, or I'll start the story and then I have it finished in like 15 hours and I'm like, well, I didn't explore the world. I don't know what this place is about. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Especially because Genshin's so. Impact what, is, is a freemium game, right? You can play it for free. The amount of like content you get out yeah. of it is pretty absurd. Like, well, those 60 hours so far have all been completely free, and I haven't felt at any point like I have to pay to continue. That's really good. At any stage. That's great. That's sick. It's great. But yeah, I, apart from that, I've just been writing more music, which is nice. Another thing that I would highly recommend, if you don't know how to play an instrument, just go and like look up some like little tutorials and stuff. Like There's stuff on YouTube that you can learn how to play a ukulele in two weeks or something mm. and become that white girl that's always at the parties with the ukulele but sure look like you know or you can you can break the mold you can break the mold get a drum kit annoy all your neighbors and housemates and you know do whatever you want be your own annoying musician like i am <laughs> but yeah all right we got some housekeeping we do we have some big housekeeping this week <laughs> So this is really good news for us, probably not for the person that did the Patreon because they're going to get like a picture of our feet. But (laughs) so we would like to give a huge, massive thank you to Aaron Adams, who is our latest patron of the fan favorite tier. If you follow our patron and look at our page, we have a $50 tier that is fan favorite. (laughs) So what they get, they get all the previous perks from the previous tiers. In addition to that, they get a picture of Scott and I's feet. But not any kind of pictures of feet. They're budget pictures of feet. <laughs> this, this was my idea originally as a joke. I was like, why don't we have like a feet tier? Yeah, that'd be great. And then like, just do it as a joke. And I don't know, Aaron Adams obviously has a great sense of humor because yeah. he, he went with it. <laughs> I'm Major props, major props. Like yeah. that's... I don't want to say too much, but like this could very well help us um, potentially launch a second podcast. Yes. So, like, 
also when we started the BMCast, like in its brainstorming and in its infancy, mm. we we kind of fit, like decided on the feet here. Part is a joke, but part is a little PR stunt as well. Going, oh, what's this podcast doing a feet here? Like, how dare they? <laughs> Whatever. And and Aaron's like, as you say, he's got a great sense of humour, wants to support the cast, and he'll get yeah. some pictures of our feet next week. So you know. He can cherish them for the rest of his days. <laughs> I think what we're trying to say, Aaron, thank you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right. So with the housekeeping out of the way, we are going to start talking about the meat and bones of the show. What we're talking about this week is Commander Legends. That's what everybody's talking about at the moment. The set that is currently being spoiled. The one that, Emma, if I'm not mistaken, you will have had your previews by the time people are listening to this. Yes. Worth noting, by the way, this is recorded on Sundays. Emma's article is going up tomorrow, our time, which is Monday. And Emma knows what they are, but I don't. So we can't talk about them. So we'll be talking about them next week. In addition to anything that has been covered from time of recording onwards as well. Yeah. So it's really weird because I want to talk about it because we're recording in the future, <laughs> but we're not in the future, and it's uh, but yes, Commander Legends looks great. I'm really excited for it. Um, a little bit concerned due to the like the design power potentially of the set, just because we yeah. we we know Modern Horizons and we know what happened there. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. it looks really really cool, and there's a lot of great flavor as well. There's a lot of nods to mm. old magic characters of old and admittedly i'm not a Vorhost person or a law person but i i recognize a couple of names i'm like oh that card that person's got a card that's neat and you know there's a lot of emphasis on like uncommon legendary so you can really like build commander decks on a budget you don't need these super busted like mythic generals anymore so yeah the set looks really really cool yeah i'm really liking a lot of the uncommon partners for many reasons uh one there's loads of different ones so there's like millions of different combinations but it might also help encourage people to play lower powered commander because let's be honest, most of these partner commanders are not particularly strong, but that doesn't mean they're not really sweet. Like there are some that I would just love to sort of pair together and make, which is ideal for budget decks and stuff in particular, um, to just have like lower power, like partner commanders that just have like neat synergies or whatever. Yeah, I kind of like that. Also, I'm going to mention this now as well, just because mm. I'll probably yap about it for the next two weeks. Um, the great thing about these Uncommon Commanders is that they're awesome in Pauper EDH, which we covered two, three weeks ago now. Yeah. So if you want to know about Pauper EDH, scroll down a little bit. You have a dedicated episode on it. And, you know, Commander Legends will support that format quite a lot, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there are a number of reprints. Now, there, there are a lot of more expensive reprints, like Rings of Brightheart and Vampire Tutor and all that kind of stuff. We all know about those already, you know. We're not going to be like, hey, see that card that used to be like $80? It's now not. You know a good reprint when you see it. But we have got some cool, notable reprints that might have been skipped over a little bit in all the hype of, well, literally everything else going on around it. Um, One good example 
is the diamonds, like Sky Diamond, Charcoal Diamond, that kind of thing. They're reprinted, and they're reprinted at Common. Now, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal until you look at how much they used to be. The older printings are somewhere between 2 and $3. For a mana rock that costs two mana and enters tapped and only taps for one colour, that's insane. But now they're going to be cents. It's great. It must be due to an, like an old set thing, right? Like they haven't been reprinted yeah. in like seven, eight years and the demand has just shot up. So there's none there and they're really expensive. But no, these are really, really good for like budget commander decks. It's just a really good way to, just to accelerate. Oh, yeah. The last time we saw them was in Commander 14. And then before that was 7th edition. That explains the price hike. Because 7th edition yeah. is just expensive for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for example, like I'm just looking at the, the price according to Scryfall here. It's showing up at is nearly $3 for the Commander 14 one, but it's $0.50 cents currently for the Commander Legends one. And that's probably going to drop once packs are opened. Yes. So. Especially if they're common, they're going to be everywhere, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, happy days. That's a great reprint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm very happy about this next one. I'm Preordain. Surprised. Yeah, excellent reprint. Preordain's reprint. Pauper decks are now half the price. That's yeah. all I need to say. You can it. play Delver Scred at like an affordable price. <laughs> L- literally any deck in Pauper that has blue runs Preordain. Even even Tron is doing it now yeah. be- after after losing Expedition Map. So like, you know, go figure. <laughs> um, That's a great one. Also... If you're if you're a magpie like me, you can pick up a foil one for not a hundred dollars, which is also great. Yeah, God, the <laughs> foil prices of those were insane. God damn it, legacy. <laughs> legacy players, why you got to be playing with money cards? <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> uh, so the next one is not a surprising one, given that we are in a commander themed set. Is arcane signet, mm. and I'm a big fan of this just being reprinted into the ground, similar to soul ring, yep. just because of its role in the format because it is a staple you play in every single deck pretty much if you can afford it of course um but yeah they're normally around like the two to three dollar mark but considering you know this set's going to be open a bunch and you know you can never have enough soul rings and arcane signets so this is is another really good reprint do you remember when this was 15 dollars yes and they were in brawl decks (laughs) what a way to sell your new format yeah (laughs) Oh, remember Brawl? You know what? If I'm going to open Arena again anytime soon, it's to play Brawl. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, yeah? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's just something about Brawl that, like, it never feels like it's broken. I think that's just out of the singleton nature. But... Yeah, because we, when we yeah. were, when we were in the early stages of the BM cast, we played yeah. Brawl. That's what was our little meeting time. And then I remember playing a lot of Nephroi, Apex of Death, but it was like Cat Tribal as well. So it had, is it Kahila as the companion? It was actually pretty fun. Yeah there's uh oh Findhorn Elves is Oof. another one from this set I know a lot of people who are excited for this purely because they can buy foil ones that aren't the from the vault foil and you know that is quite yeah. liberating to some people but no I never understood why this card was so expensive because it essentially is the same as every other elf mana dork so the fact that this is yeah. a common and it's going to be reprinted a bunch is excellent so yeah it's nice I need one well I need a few for commander I'd say probably I bought I need one for pauper walls because it runs one. Pauper walls. <laughs> Here we go. Because it runs a playset of mana dorks, one mana mana dorks, like Llanowar elves. Except instead of running four Llanowar elves, it runs one Llanowar elves, uh, one Findhorn elves, one elvish mystic, and then sometimes it's some other one mana mana dork, like either uh, Avacyn's Pilgrim or sometimes Boreal Druid or sometimes whatever. 
Arbor Elf is the other one. Mm. And the only reason is so that they don't get hit by Echoing Truth or Echoing Decay. That's it. I would definitely pick up a couple just on a hedge that, you know, given how expensive Finhorn Elves were before, you know, a lot of people might just be stockpiling them just in case. Well, this is the thing. What if wizards go, ah, oh, there you go. We reprinted it. That's that's our obligation to reprint yeah. that sorted. And then they just don't do it again for 10 years and they become like five, six, seven dollars again. It's preordained you know? all over again. Like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, so next up we have Blasphemous Act, which is a excellent board wipe in red mm. in Commander. I don't know how much this was before, actually. I always thought it was quite cheap. It's been printed like crazy, and it's still at like the $5 mark. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Blasphemous Act is a really good one. Even better if you yeah. have a Stuffy Doll as well. <laughs> good old Stuffy Doll. Or Brash Taunter now as well. Yeah. I used to say, fun fact, I used to play Mono Redtron, and it had Stuffy Doll Blasphemous mm. Act, and it was a lot of fun. You also had Star of <laughs> Extinction, which was also great. That's really silly <laughs> that's the point of it <laughs> now there's one here that's very close to my heart yeah. and that's because i hate playing this card unless it's on magic online but now that's all going to change because kumbaj witches is getting a reprint in paper black border with the seb mckinnon art hooray that's, finally if you haven't seen this art right just go to scryfall look at kumbaj witches and look at the magic online art and and look at how beautiful it is. It is stunning. I love it. Seb McKinnon, you kill it every time. I think it's his best art. I would I would say it's high up there. I think that his chalice is very good as well. I like his um, stasis quite a lot as well. You know what? Maybe maybe we should like spend less time <laughs> comparing Seb McKinnon arts and just spend more time appreciating all of them. Oh yeah, how about so that? good, so good. <laughs> no, that art's so good because it was a Magic Online promo for ages, wasn't it? And now they've yeah. finally put it in paper, which is awesome. And the cards look weirdly expensive, so makes Mono Black yeah. Control more accessible than ever, which is awesome. Especially with Oubliette um, reprint as well, so you can yeah. pretty much play Mono Black Control and not break your wallet, which is great. Yep. So. Another sweet reprint is the original Commander Partners back from Commander 2016. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these, especially like Timna and Frasios, were super, super expensive just because they were like the, considered the best pairing in Commander. And also mm. they're just really good on their own. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of the time they were veering on like $40, $50 just because they were just so yeah. powerful what they did. And they were also quite big in competitive EDH, which influenced that price as well. But thanks to Commander Legends, a lot of these are getting reprinted and they're getting a nice etch foiling mm. treatment as well. So that means there's multiple copies available, which will drive down the price. You've also yeah. got some other notable commanders that are getting a reprint as well, like Najila is another good one if you're into like five color humans or warrior decks. Um, and then you've got mm. the, the classics such as like Prosh and Nekazar as well. Yeah, they're all nice. I think you could just print them all the time and I think everyone would be happy. Yeah, I mean, like, this is it. Like, pe people are going to want to play them all the time anyway because they're considered kind of classic commanders for a reason. You know, like, Queen Marchese is one of the most loved because mm. it's such a popular choice for, like, politics-style decks. And they're always great fun. Yeah, like you're, you're interacting and making deals with other people and, and everything. And if you're leaning hard into that, like, you can you can do some really funny stuff. Yeah, like another good one is Maelstrom Wanderer, Mr. Cascade himself. And, you know, mm. Cascade is a thing in the, in this uh, set. So the fact that he's got the nice H4 treatment as well is really cool. And it's not just Commander Legends as in here's a bunch of legendary creatures that are new. They're kind of, mm -hmm. it feels like a Commander Hall of Fame where they're just like, yeah, here's some really sweet legendaries over the years. Here's a reprint. Enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Mm. 
One other notable reprint that's worth mentioning that I'm sure people actually did see because a lot of people lost their marbles over this was uh, Three Visits finally got reprinted. Thank which, the Lord. Yeah, it was it was getting real expensive. Like it not wasn't getting it was real expensive. Um, it's the original printing as well. Watch now and mark my words, it's going to remain at a very high price. Maybe not yeah. as high, but it's going to stay high. Yeah. And Portal Three Kingdoms yeah. is just a weird pricing void. Yeah, but. The thing is, this is one of my arguments for abandoning the reserve list because people saying that like, oh, all, all of my cards from the reserve list are going to lose all their value. It's like, no, they might lose like 20 to 30% of their value, but that's because they shouldn't have had that value in the first place. Like there's still original cards from original sets. That's not going to change. People are still going to want these as collectors. Let other people have reprints though. Just, yeah. just how about let them, you know, like you're going to be arguing over like a couple hundred quid Sure, that sounds like an awful lot until you realise that these collectors like own hundreds and thousands worth of quote-unquote stonks. Um, but like, yeah, sorry. I don't want to go on a rant on the reserve list. God, no. no. God, no. Let's, let's move on. Let's move okay. on. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, free visits. Great reprint. Pick them up yes. while you can as well because they will likely be expensive again at some point because it's not a card that can just readily reprint in anything. And if they do, they, te- they tend to side on nature's law, if so, which is really mm. weird. But yeah. Yeah. Now, let's have a talk about probably probably the part that I'm most excited about, which is the pauper downshifts and relevant new cards. Yes. So these are all the cards that are in Commander Legends that are at common that either weren't at common before and have been downshifted, or they are brand new cards that are being printed directly into pauper. Yes. Which some of these are going to have some impacts for sure. Yes. The first one is a great example. Fall yes. from favor. <laughs> so fall from favor for two generic and a blue you get an enchantment aura and it reads enchant creature when fall from favor enters the battlefield tap enchanted creature and you become the monarch that's the important <laughs> enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the monarch so basically any blue deck has a way to draw more cards with ponder and preordain and that's great right yeah i mean <laughs> like here's the thing when it comes to the sort of rock, paper, scissors of Popper. It's Tron gets beaten by Delver base decks. And mm-hmm. then Delver base decks get beaten by the likes of the Boros Monarch decks. And the Boros Monarch decks get clowned on by Tron and the cycle continues. This helps the Delver decks shore up matchups against the likes of the Boros Monarch decks. But honestly, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Like, they were still getting clowned on when like gush and stuff were in the format. And I think that is definitely a bigger impact to the format than fall from favor mm-hmm. is realistically. I think I, I, we were talking about this before the, the recording here. Um, Emma brought up that she thinks that the format might be better without the monarchy at all. And I'm inclined to agree, but if we're not going to get rid of it, let's allow all colors to have it, I guess, rather than just one or two. Um, now, I do know that that is going to shake things up and it might make some things too powerful or whatever, and we might have to address it. And that's OK. I think the format's due a bit of churn at this point, yeah. to be honest. Um, I think this card's really, really good. I don't think it's going to break the format in half compared to what some people have been saying. But it's just nice yeah. that Delver has an option to at least keep up. I do think it's going to have an influence for sure. And I mm. think it is going to change how Pauper looks. But I don't think it's going to be big enough to really shift the rock paper scissors all that much Mm. but it's definitely going to have an influence like i'd say it's going to be roughly the same kind of impact as say maybe bonder's ornament like that seemed like it was really innocuous 
but it had a reasonable impact. Like the Pestilence decks are now running it as ways to sort of just ramp ahead a little bit and mm. um, to get ahead of other mid-range decks. And Tron is running it to be able to just draw more cards and fix as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's going to show up, not necessarily just in like Mono Blue Delver and that kind of thing, but any deck running blue that just wants maybe a bit more removal or just wants something that's really cheap to be able to give you the monarchy. Mm. So, yeah. Next up, we have... Flashback Marauder. Mm, this one's pretty neat. So for two generic and a black, you get a creature that is a zombie warrior, which is quite an important typing. When Flashback Marauder enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature and it's a free one. So while it's not going to see heavy play in Pauper, I think the Tortured Existence decks are really, really interested in this. The fact that it's a three mana edict on a creature, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a Bogles player, I'm, I'm not too keen to see it on across the table, <laughs> but... And that just seems really, really powerful. Also, it's a zombie. So if you play mm. zombies in Pauper, this is a really cool option to have as well. Yeah, zombies is low-key one of my favorite decks in Pauper. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually think that the, the best experience in Pauper is like tier two, three or mm. thereabouts. Similar to modern, like you don't want to be playing the tier one decks. Like that's that's all well and good, but you'll get tired. You'll be playing the same thing over and over after a while. But at like tier three and lower, you're still playing reasonably powerful decks, but like... It's just much more interesting, much more cool. You get to see more unique and weird lines of play and just more options are viable and available. Just accept mm. the fact that you're just going to lose to Tron. Like, <laughs> as, lo- as long as you accept that, you can enjoy Paul for four days. I think that's a lot of issues people yeah. have with the format. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, like it was pre-lockdown, but in the Pauper meta here in Ireland, basically nobody plays Tron because... Wow they don't want to because it's boring and awful (laughs) so most people don't have to ask the question when they're making a new brew going can this in any way face tron and not just immediately lose on the spot Mm. people don't have to ask that question so they have a good time so like arguably the healthiest popper metagame in the entire world is possibly (laughs) ireland's one (laughs) because tron basically doesn't exist i know i know where i'm going where everything is back to normal i'll come and play some popper it's worth noting that there's there's about eight people that play it though so like because when i used to play at like an fnm or like one of those day events there was like 12 15 mm. of us like a third of the field was tron and it's just like good i'm playing bogles i'm gonna win not five of my matches yeah i i have a backup in case people do start playing tron is i just have walls here yeah. ready to go because walls just laughs it's like that's that's cute anyway infinite <laughs> mana infinite life loss like GG. That, that Wolves deck is just the Amulet Titan of Pauper, isn't it? <laughs> kinda. Kinda. Except this goes infinite, Amulet Titan does not. No, but it's it's just as deadly and, you know, there's so many fine lines with the Wolves deck that you kinda just need to think. Like like when we used to play before, for example, you were just like thinking yeah. for five minutes on Modo, just going, I can win this, but I don't know how. Amulet yeah. Titan is very similar in that regard. Yeah. It is, yeah. Based on this, though, I am going to say that I believe Axbane Guardian to be more powerful than Primetime. That's a hot take. I'm just going to leave it at that and move on. Uh, Can we snip at that for later? (laughs) No. uh, You may not quote me. Uh, (laughs) All right. Speaking of Tron. Oh, God. Yeah, so, right, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. The card that was spoiled, how was it? At the time of recording, this was, what, yesterday, maybe? Yeah. Early yesterday? Something like that? Staunch Throne Guard. Five mana, five generic mana, for a 2-5 artifact creature construct with vigilance. And when it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. So this seems like a pretty cool thing that'll give 
most decks like access to being able to play the monarch and you know have a bit of fun with it right um wrong because of the existence of other cards in the format i hate this card allow me to explain a little bit yeah. yes this is a rant okay all right We're revving up the rant engines right okay. right the idea with this, right, is that it's five generic mana. Any deck that wants to run the monarchy can never run the monarchy. However, problem number one, every other color other than blue until this set with Fall from Favor has been able to have the monarchy already. You know, you have Thorn of the Black Rose in black and you have Palace Sentinels in white, the most popular one. Uh, there's Entourage of Trest in green. Yeah. And then recently made legal on Magic Online and therefore legal in paper as well was Crown Hunter Hireling. So, Red has access to the monarchy as well. Now, that means that Staunch Throne Guard is kind of pointless, because you're going to be running a colour. There's no real colourless decks in Pauper, no matter how hard you want to brew it. It's just not really viable. So, therefore, what is this for? It's not really for any deck. Now, I understand that this is probably done for some sort of drafting experience or something, maybe, if for Commander Legends. But I feel like the monarchy in a draft environment should probably be something like Uncommon or whatever, but... I'm getting sidetracked. I'm not here to talk about Commander Legends' limited environment. What I am saying is that I don't think it's all that busted, nor do I think it's going to see that much play. However, it does highlight every single thing that's wrong with Tron in the pauper format. So, Tron could already run Palace Sentinels. It's three and white for a 2-4. That's a great kind of rate and body for Tron to be able to play, because it already plays Stonehorn Dignitary with no problems, and that's the exact same mana cost. But this is a little bit easier to cast because they can just turn three natural Tron and they wouldn't be able to play something like Palace Sentinels because you'll need access to white mana. This, you can just play this out. It's five generic mana, there you go. Tron is the deck that benefits most from this part. The fact that it has Vigilance means that it attacks and blocks equally as well. Tron wants to make sure that it doesn't allow creatures through to kill it. So it fits Tron very nicely as well. Five Toughness means that it survives Galvanic Blast and if you want to, say, attack in with a creature and then bolt it, you're two for winning yourself in order to get the creature out of the way so that next turn you might be able to get another creature through to be able to seal the monarchy back. That's setting yourself up for disaster. That's not a winning strategy. So this shows that when you try to print something that was likely made with the idea of giving something fun to other decks that may not have access to it, Tron is the deck that ends up benefiting the most from it every single time. Like, look at Cast Down. A oh, one black mana pip? Sure, yeah. Well, Tron already runs Bonder's Ornament and it can just run the Thriving Lands now and now we have access to, like, eight sources of black mana and we can access all those through running a pile of impulses and stuff as well so we're definitely going to be able to find it at the time in which we need it. And then a braid. A braid sees play like nowhere except in Tron because it's able to take out plenty of creatures. It's a perfectly fine removal spell but then it can also take out opposing Bonder's Ornaments to stop them drawing cards and, like... It feels like everything is just sort of mutating itself around Tron. And I'm starting to get tired of it. <laughs> really starting to get tired of it. I don't play Pauper on Magic Online that much anymore because when I do go up against Tron, I'm like, I just have to accept that I'm like I'm fighting an uphill fight the entire time. And that's not great. Now, it's okay to have one best deck, but it's so much better. And every single time a new set comes out, it always guaranteed gets new toys. It's it's not even tier one at this point. It's tier zero. Like it's better than the best. And oh yeah. Even with the expedition map ban, I don't think it's actually done anything impactful because you run crop rotation. It like, it, ha- it has done something very impactful. It's actually made Tron better because it now runs preordained and crop rotation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like 
it's not expedition maps not the problem it's yeah. uh, i don't know like the fact that tron players are packing stuff just for the mirror because they anticipate to see that more than anything else is evident of the health of the format when it gets to that point it's just you need to start asking questions i think here's my thing right and i know that i'm a little bit biased because i am a huge fan of mono black control but yeah. when a pauper player or anyone for that matter, starts making fun of you for your choice of deck, and your choice of deck is essentially the quote-unquote jund of the format, you need to take a look at your format. <laughs> also, yeah. you need to take a look at your attitude if you're making fun of someone for their deck choices, because that's just shitty behavior, and shut up and don't do that. Let people play what they want to play. It doesn't matter if they lose to Tron, they're making a point. That may be projecting, but, you know, <laughs> that aside, don't be yep. shitty. Be a good person. <laughs> just Tron it's just a problem like I don't want to be the person that's sitting here going you know oh I hate Tron ban Tron Tron this I hate Tron or whatever like it's actually just a difficult thing to be able to attack in any kind of meaningful way and staunch throne guard to circle background is (laughs) the perfect example of how Tron just benefits from absolutely anything that they can possibly print that isn't just multiple different colors or multiple different pips or whatever Mm. and tron just wins every time until tron gets banned hopefully now if this is the card that they go oh well we didn't expect this we're gonna ban tron now because of this if this is the card that gets tron banned then i love the card and like i said there's nothing particularly wrong with this card it's just everything that this design stands Mm. for in the face of tron yeah rant over (laughs) okay do you feel better no, I don't. Tron still <laughs> exists. Well, okay, so moving on to the downshifts, um, because yes. there is a couple more. Another really good one is makeshift munitions. So makeshift yes. munitions is for is an enchantment with one generic and a red. Uh, you pay one to sacrifice an artifact or creature, and you deal one damage to any target. I think this is really neat. I'm not sure where it will fall in pauper, because mm. sacrifice is not really a thing. However, you could probably like squeeze it in like an affinity deck if you want like an incremental sort of damage option. Um, but then like fling exists, so I'm not yeah. quite sure. But it's, it's cool that it's a common though. It's a cool option to have in the format for sure. I think when you mentioned that about sacrifice, there's there's two places that I think about. First of all, tortured existence. There is a Rakdos version of it. But it's not very good. The green version the green black version is just better. Yeah. Almost entirely. So yeah, there are very few other cards in red that synergize with it. The only other place that I could think of is putting it into something like Zombies, where you mentioned Flesh Frag Marauder could go, because there's quite a few sacrifice synergies there as well. Mm. But it's a pretty aggressive deck as well, so you don't really want to be introducing like Taplands or Ash Barons and stuff and slowing you down a little bit in order to just splash for this one sacrifice outlet to give you a little bit more reach, especially when you already have stuff like Gem Pond Polluter. So I don't really know where it goes. Now, with that said, this will be kind of one of those cards where I would say, hold on to it. And maybe in a year's time, they might print enough other things that will make this kind of thing a real thing in the format. But right now, I just don't see it really doing anything, to be honest. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I just really like the card. I I also think it's neat. (laughs) (laughs) And so next, we have a really fun one. Um, so we've got Maelstrom Colossus, which is an 8-mana 7-7. Seven, seven. It is colourless, so you can pay 8-mana to cast it. Yep. It's an artifact creature golem, and it just has Cascade. Yeah. So my friend Ian sent me a picture of this with the words under it just saying, this is my big dumb idiot son. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, 
<laughs> there's one way in which Tron exists in Popper that I am okay with, and that's Fangren Tron, where it basically runs like Mono Green Tron does in Modern, except instead of Karn Liberated and Ulamog and Ugin and stuff, you just have like Ulamog's Crusher or Wretched Griff or Fangren Marauder uh, or Rolling Thunder, just big, huge, dumb things. That can very easily be stopped with like a counterspell or something, but that doesn't stop people from doing it. It's just dumb stuff. And I think this is a great deck that could gain from having this, provided Tron doesn't eventually end up getting banned. Now, the thing is, sometimes you'll just cascade into like a Chromatic Star and that'll kind of suck. But sometimes you'll cascade into like a Wretched Griff or something dumb. But I see this maybe as a one-of in those kind of decks. I don't really see it doing basically anything else, but it's neat. <laughs> Are we just Marsh Simpsons? Do we just think everything is neat? Yeah, I just think they're neat. I just think they're neat. Speaking of neat, we have another really cool downshift, which is Flood of Recollection. So for two mana, you get a sorcery, which is two blue. Uh, Return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand, and then you exile the card. Mm. Yeah, this looks really cool. I'm not sure where it fits, but it's just a really nice option to have in the format. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of weird because... Yeah, like you said, I can't really think of anything that would want to play it necessarily, but I think I could see it as like a one of in maybe there's like teachings decks and stuff. There's like mm. creatureless teachings decks, like the blue black teachings, or this might actually be kind of neat in the there's like an is it control deck that is quote unquote creatureless because it runs goblin wizardry as the mm. win condition. And that might be kind of cool because you'll be able to like rebuy a Goblin Wizardry or maybe a Pieces of the Puzzle or something like that. But I see it as maybe a one-off in those kind of creatureless control decks because you want to be able to guarantee pretty much having a spell to be able to recur with it. And maybe it goes into... I don't know. I just... It's <laughs> it's neat, I think, it is, is the only thing to save it. I can't really think of anywhere off the top of my head that would specifically want this kind of effect, but... It's cool. I like the card. I would definitely keep a hold of a couple if you play Pauper, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Pauper Commander would probably make great use of it because mm. I already played this a lot in actual Commander because in blue and blue-red, it's essentially a regrowth for anything that those decks care about, so... Yeah, so I'm probably going to put this in Soul Herder because it just rebuys like my Ephemerates and my Ghostly Flickers, and that's just really, really neat. That's only a little bit gross. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> If I'm not blinking, I want ways to get my blink spells back so I can just keep blinking, and this card's ideal. So. If you're not blinking, you're thinking of blinking? Yeah. <laughs> Way of the Soul Herder. All right, let's get some Q&A going. We mm. have a couple of questions we threw out uh, onto Twitter this morning to ask us questions, and we're going to answer them here. So first one. Quinn at AussieAussie1 asks, Are the modal dual-face cards auto-includes in every deck now? If so, which ones should I invest in? Now, worth pointing out that Ozzy Ozzy here didn't actually specify which format we're talking about, but I'm I'm going to assume Commander, maybe? I I was looking at it from a Pioneer Modern perspective, but... I think the answer is kind of still the same anyway. Yeah, um, so from my perspective, if there is none that you are looking to buy, like... For, for your decks, for example, if you just want to invest in them just so you can have them for the future. I would recommend mm. just picking up the Pathway Lands, just pick up one of each. If we're In terms of Commander, just pick up one of each because they're great. Mm. If you play stuff like Pioneer, then you can start picking up playsets and stuff. Honestly, I would start picking up the white base ones because they're quite cheap, whereas, in fact, the, the Demir and the Izzet ones are more expensive because they're seeing a lot of play in Standard at the moment. 
and Demir Rogues mm. is just seeing play in every format it seems at the moment, which is crazy. Um, otherwise, <laughs> I picked up some Glasspool Mimics the other week, so I think that card is really, oh, yeah. really, really good. So I picked up a, a foil play set for under ten dollars, and I'm quite happy with that. Purely because I play a lot of um, tribal decks, so I like playing humans and spirits, and they just slot in there perfectly. That's a really cool effect to have in Commander as well, just a, a really neat copy effect that's also a land. It's another good one yeah. to pick up. And then I think the Mythics are quite good. You know, in Commander, I think all of them are pretty good, especially mm. the Black one, because the Black one just brings back something later on, and that's yeah. just really good. I would say, are the model dual face cards auto includes in every deck now? I would say, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, to a certain degree, at least something can go into basically every deck. So, yeah, pretty much. And essentially all of them, like if you're going to invest in them, like pretty much any of them are going to be fine. Mm. For the mythic ones, the Shatter Skull Smashing and Agadim's Awakening, the red and black ones are definitely the best two, in my opinion. The rare ones are actually all good, but like you said, Glasspool Mimic Emma is very, very good. One of my other favorites, which is going to show up a lot in Commander, is Valakut Awakening. Yes. Like, wheel your hand or be a land. Like, it rhymes as well. Like, it's just, it's (laughs) 10 out of 10. Like, then the Uncommons are all good, but they're all good in, like, different decks. Um, but definitely, I would say, like, the Balaged Recovery, Malachar Rebirth, and like you said, Emma, the Spikefield Hazard, they're all probably the standout ones for me. Mm. Definitely just pick up play sets of all the uncommon ones. They're all like 10 cents. So yeah. like, just get them for I'd keep sure. an eye on the, the red one, the Shatter Skull Summit, because it's actually seen playing Legacy in Legacy Goblins. And yep. if there's anything, if it's got Legacy application, it means the price is going to drive up at some point. So just keep an eye on that one as well. Yeah, quite possibly. And then we have Zach at ZachLW asks, do you guys like seeing some classic magic characters like Hans Ericsson and Tormod show up? Any other characters only mentioned in flavor or in books that you'd like to see? So I'm not the biggest magic lore person, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I knew of Tormod from Tormod's Crypt. Like, that's mm. that's the association I made. And even, like, Hans was a pretty cool one because Safi's, like, one of my favorite creatures in magic. And Hans and Safi have a lot of dynamic together and um, with the Lurgoyf as well. But yeah, like in terms of like full house law stuff, it's not my cup of tea. Just because the literature is just so hard to come by now. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. I kind of like seeing it, sort of. So, like a good example that you used there was Tormod. Um, I kind of liked not knowing who Tormod was because it did add some sort of mystery to it. Now, I mean, again, I'm not very vortos i'm not very into the old lore like i have a general idea of what happened but no real details about like specific characters that haven't shown up in cards because Mm. i learned a lot of it through incidentally learning it by playing the cards and stuff and then just looking up some videos on like you know summarizing it essentially so a lot of the the non-essential characters that haven't shown up in cards tend not to show up in these synopsis kind of videos and stuff but yeah i'm not sure when I did see Tormod, now that I see that there's some sort of like mad lich, like the enigmatic feeling of like Tormod's crypt. Who's Tormod? Who was this person? Yeah. That's kind of diminished a bit. So I kind of like the mystery, sort yeah, of. I can see but that. I, I think that applies to certain things, like Tormod being like dark and mysterious kind of thing is kind of cool. But like you mentioned there, like Hans Ericsson, first of all, sounds a lot less mysterious. <laughs> You know, yeah. and now that I see that they look a lot like Saffron Olive, I'm kind of like, well, I, I mean, I kind of expected this, I guess. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, Safi and Hans are rule zero partners as well. 
Yeah, I'm fine with that. The bit there for flavour, yeah. Um, it's weird because when it comes to like actual magic lore, I, I'm not that interested in it. Yeah, if it's like Ferros or even Kaldheim that's coming, like I'm really interested because I'm really into like mythology and like the mm-hmm. sources from that. So when Kaldheim uh, rolls around, I'll be really excited just to see what sort of Norse mythology references they make. Yeah. And then finally, we have Evie the Mage at EvieTheMage97 on Twitter. They say it, it's not the cheapest deal right now, but you can get a vampiric tutor for about half of what it was a year ago, thanks to the reprint that's incoming. It needed one, to be fair. It's super expensive for what it is. It, it didn't need one. It needed three. Yeah. If you're in the market for a vampiric tutor, get one soon. But if you can't afford it, then don't break the bank over it. But if you're in a scenario where you can afford one or you open one out of a box, just keep a hold of it. If you're in the market for a vampiric tutor, thank you for listening to the podcast. That definitely doesn't apply to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird one because it's still going to be really expensive, even though it's like half the price. It's still half the price of vampiric tutor is like 50 quid still, which is quite a lot for a magic card. It is all just... Cardboard rectangles. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the BM cast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BM cast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.